I'll go get it. Hello and welcome to our podcast in 2021. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for well over 26 years. And through our podcast, we're going to focus on gardening and nature for this next 30 minutes. And we're going to bring to you our knowledges and our challenges. Our foibles, a lot of stories, and our ideas how to create the most unique landscape for you and your family. Yes. So we're at January, the beginning of January, which, you know, it's cold outside. And for anybody... um, Midwest and back east, you are buried in snow and will probably remain so, I think, till early May. That's what somebody was telling me, but I guess it's all different. But not here in Northern California. In fact, I'm starting to worry about uh, whether we're going to have a real winter anymore. What do you think, Michael? Well, it's been it's been really weird. We go from foggy. There's a little bit of rain. It's going to be in the 60s this week. And 60s. Jan- a lot of January in the 60s is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so depending on where you're at, you're probably receiving your first seed catalogs. And it's kind of like, remember, long, long, long time ago, you used we used to get the Sears catalog. Remember that, Michael? Yes. 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 And I remember as a kid, I'd peruse it and I was just dreaming about the things that I might get for Christmas. Well, that's what seed catalogs are like for me. I know it's pretty exciting and and you get seeds and even and I've gotten some bulb catalogs and again it's like oh my god look at all these bulbs aren't they amazing I know and at the moment I have um amaryllis blooming on my dining room table and they are fabulous they are so yes, gorgeous I saw a picture you posted and I have to say you're right they are fabulous they were amazingly beautiful they're just stunning um yep. But uh, about seed catalogs, and so so there's not much to do outside right now. It's cold, and even in our area, you want to start prepping your beds. It's still still time to let everything sleep. However, you could start thinking about what you're going to plant for the spring. And a lot of people, I mean, it's, I mean there's a huge cost savings when you start the the seeds um, all by yourself instead of buying starts at the nursery now. I have very good friends that work in the nursery, so I don't want to dissuade you from buying starts, but I do want to say that nurseries bring in the popular bestsellers. If you want to something a little bit different, these seed catalogs, like I'm looking at the one right now by um, John Sheepers, and looking at the salad greens, there are 49 different varieties available. You're not going to find that in starts at the nursery. So you might, you know, want to mix it up. And the other thing I want to say real quickly is that uh, for a packet of seeds, you're looking between $3 and 75 cents to $4, but there's 500 seeds in there. And so I don't know anybody that's going to grow 500 heads of lettuce. So you might start talking to your neighbors and making a plan and um, seeing what kind of seeds they have and, 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 and really work together. So when spring comes, you're not spending a fortune on seeds that you probably won't use again for the next couple of years. And you're probably wondering, what am I going to put them in? 
if I do, you don't have a lot of containers. Well, one thing that I did before, and, and it was kind of fun, is I used egg cartons. You know, when you get a dozen eggs, those are perfect things to actually start seeds in because you put a little soil in them and you put a couple of seeds per where the egg can, you know, where the each of the eggs were. And um, they're easy to move around. They're easy to water. And they don't cost you anything because they're sustainable. You're reusing the egg carton. When we're talking about the paper ones, not the styrofoam. Right. The paper ones are great. Yeah, they're really, really nice. And as I said, they don't cost you anything. And uh, then when it's all over, you can put them in the compost bin. Yeah, or actually you could plant them directly in soil and they'll decompose. Um, But if you're starting them early, like, um, you know, our weather is pretty warm here. So let's say towards the end of this month we start them. You can also use... um, little paper cups that gives you a little more room for the roots to grow. I found that um, when I use the smaller little vessels and even ones I purchased, the peat moss ones, um, my plants get, my little starts get a little leggy instead of, you know, filling out like the ones that you buy at the nursery. Right, right. It was funny because my daughter last year, um, I don't know, she normally does not get involved in any sort of landscaping, any sort of planting. But last year she decided she wanted to do a garden so and she wanted to grow it from seeds. So we actually use the egg cartons. We use the little flats. And um, last year we grew, she grew nasturtiums and she also grew um, certain vegetables. And, and it was fun to watch because for someone that had no interest in the past, she was out there daily watering and she was looking at them. And if they started to wilt, she was getting very depressed because they weren't doing what she thought they should be doing. Yeah. Well, it's a one, you know, bringing forth fruit is wonderful. And, you know, there's very few things we could depend on. And I'm uh, not talking about death and taxes, but what we can depend on is nature and the changing seasons and the warming of the planet and so on and so forth. And so now that we've been um, almost a year into COVID, you know, minus a month or so, um, I think a lot of us have become more conscious of being sustainable and using our properties you know, for something other than just looking out the window at, we could grow food, we could grow hops to um, start brewing beer, we could grow grapes and fruit. And this is the time for fruit trees. You were telling me, Michael? I was. In fact, I was at the nursery recently and it was really kind of fun to see. And I've been telling clients, um, several of my clients want to put in orchards. And I said, and um, it was a towards the end of the year. And I said, you know what? Wait, wait till January and February because the bare root season comes. And that's what's so really wonderful because bare roots, um, they're less money and you get a bigger start. And basically what it is, is they've taken um, a plant, they've dug it up, dug it up, they've cut it back and um, they put it into kind of a a paper and peat moss. And then they, they, package it up and you buy it and bare root, you just kind of clean it off and it's got the bare root. You put it in the ground and it starts from scratch. And I have to tell you, I put in last year a bare root pluot and I don't know whether I just put it in the optimum perfect spot, but I bought a little teeny specimen. It was probably about four feet tall and it probably had a caliber that's the trunk thickness of maybe half an inch, but I just pruned it about um, a week ago. The thing was 10 feet tall. The caliber was about an inch and a half. 
I've never seen anything grow like that. So it was like, oh my God, it was like blew out on speed. Yeah. Well, this is the time. And not only that, when when these uh, bare root fruit come in at this time of year, you're going to get the maximum amount of varieties. Yes. And, yeah. And the same with roses. And so what happens with um, Michael and I as landscape designers, when we have clients late summer, early fall, wanting particular types of fruit trees, they're gone. We have to wait again till now, till January. So yep. now's the time to Start looking at your nursery if you're interested in having fruit or citrus or berries, vines. Um, now's the time to go and uh, take a look. It's like doing your due diligence. You make your list early and then you can and exactly what Roberta said. You can go shopping early and you'll find specimens. You'll find varieties that later on in the season they'll be gone. And exactly what she said is true. I mean, again, I had clients later on in the season that were looking for peaches and, and nectarines and apricots. They were gone. They were gone. And basically the nursery, nursery said, you can put in an order for early January or February, but we're not going to get any more in until then. So a great time to buy bare root fruit trees and Roses. Oh, my God. Some of the new varieties of roses, again, because they're so popular, um, by the time you go to buy them, they're already sold out. But the bare roots are in great shape and they're less money. They're less money. Right. Now, something to consider with anything you're about to plant is where you're going to plant it. And um, you want to make sure, like Michael was talking about that pluot, these little tiny, skinny, half inch to one inch caliper Fruit trees that are four feet tall are going to be 12 to 18 feet tall and maybe 20 feet wide. Yes. You want to make sure there's enough room around them and also that they're getting the, the sunlight that they need. Absolutely. Yeah. If you put them, if you're thinking, oh, these are little teeny twigs and you put them in the ground, you put too many of them too close. Um, they're going to grow. I mean, that's the biggest misconception is things, if you fertilize them, if you water them, if you put them in the right location, they're going to grow. And so it's really important that you find out as you're, before you buy something, to find out what is, I mean, is it a dwarf, which is, a, uh, there's a genetic dwarf, there's a semi-dwarf, or is a full size. For example, in a citrus, a full size um, navel orange can be 25 feet tall with a, with a 10, 15 foot spread whereas a dwarf a genetic dwarf could be maxed out at about five or six feet right you th those are all things that you you need to check on when I um years ago I had a client and they were showing me their backyard and they pointed to this massive um conifer and they said we bought that in a little pot to make a bonsai but decided to plant it <laughs> so yep. So it became a 30 foot by, you know, 18 foot wide tree. So you have to have to read and um, reading about dwarf and semi dwarf um, fruit is really important. It, I don't even know if they have a huge full size uh, fruit trees anymore, because when I bought my house over 20 years ago, there was a plum tree here that was at least 30 feet tall. And the yep. only critters that got the fruit were the squirrels and the rats. And of course, they would take a couple bites and throw it down. So. I think that um, nowadays there's more available, and when you plant, you want to be able to reach the fruit. 
Absolutely. In fact, one of the what you were saying is the house that we bought now is um, when we bought it, it has a full size fig and it's beautiful. It really is a beautiful tree. But that's the problem. I mean, the the fig is probably 25, 30 feet tall. And I like it because I like the shape and I like the 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 color of the bark. Um, and it has probably 250, 300 um, figs, really delicious ones. Um, they're, they're a mission variety, the mission fig. But the problem is, is that the first first time we go to harvest it, I'll take a shopping bag full and fill it up. But after that, the squirrels and the birds and everything finish out the rest because they're too high. You can't get 30 feet up in the air unless you're on a big heavy ladder or a lift. And I don't have either one of those. Right. Well, I just bought and planted actually in a pot um, a little fig called Little Miss Figgy. Oh, how big does that get? It only gets like three feet tall. And so I'm I'm really excited, three or four feet tall. But um, I got it here at our local uh, nursery, Green Acres um, Supply. And um, I'm really excited about it because I do have a big fig tree, but I don't harvest, just like you, I, I don't even get that first bag. You know, everyone else gets it, you know, that has four legs. But Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, I will tell you, and people are afraid, you know, when you say dwarf fruit tree, no, they really do produce because I have a Meyer lemon. Again, when we bought this house, there was a Meyer lemon behind um, kind of a fake waterfall in the pool. When I redid the pool, I didn't want to lose this Meyer lemon. So I actually... Um, and it was a chance. I dug it up, moved the whole thing over to a Western exposure, which means it gets the hot afternoon sun. And it 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 survived. It didn't uh, it didn't die. And it's about maximum about four, four and a half feet at the most by about four and a half feet. So if you can imagine four by four and it took it thrived. And this year, I will tell you, we had about 250 Meyer lemons. In fact, we had so many Meyer lemons. We were giving it out to friends. We've been putting it out on the on the mailbox. We have a, a, a community mailbox where all the mailboxes are. We put them in a box and say, take whatever you want. I mean, 250 Meyer lemons. Which, and that's a dwarf. Which translates to a lot of fresh homemade limoncello. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In fact, we've we've taken the, the, the Meyer lemon, we've frozen it, and we've all, we use it. I mean, my God, the things that we've made. But, I mean, people are worried if they only buy a dwarf fruit tree, they're not going to get enough fruit. And trust me, yeah. once they're established, they produce, and they produce big time. Right. They, they do. Don't be don't be worried about that. You know, um, something you reminded me, um, this is anyway, January is time to cut back your roses, at least in our zone here. And yes. so you want to come back for the for good shape and get rid of all the dead canes. But right now, while the ground is wet and soft, providing, you know, it's not freezing, it's a good time to do the transplanting of most plants, not not tender perennials, which are probably dormant anyway. But this this is an excellent time to prune your roses and also transplant anything that you've been meaning to transplant. Absolutely. This is and again, you know, it's it's funny, our podcast, we're in California, Northern California, and it's uh, a lot of the information we're giving you can be used all over. But in climates where there's snow, certainly you have to wait. Um, and but the Sunbelt states, there are places where, like, for example, North Carolina, it's still it's the same weather in North Carolina right now than that we have. And so a lot of the things that we're telling you in parts of Florida and Texas and, you know, so there there are some of the the um, colder climates that you're going to have to wait to do these things. But in some of the Sunbelt states, 
Um, there's no reason you can't be doing all the same things that we're doing in Northern California. That's right. And so um, even though it's only January 8th, there's still a lot of planning to do. It might not be so much outside except for, you know, pruning and transplanting and cleaning up a little bit, but also planning your garden. And remember, you know, starting seeds is one thing. And then as it gets warmer, preparing the beds are another. So right now they're asleep. But as we get past the frost, that's when you start wanting, you want to start adding uh, compost and earthworm castings. And really, you know, it's like you're cooking in the kitchen. You want to make the best cake possible. But that's, so that's what it's like when you start preparing your garden beds. And we're still a couple months off from that. But have everything in your mind. And there are planners, people in different places, garden centers, they'll sell planners. They're like journals. And so you could start writing what you want to plant, which bed you want to plant it in. And it's really a lovely thing to do in the dark of winter. And could you list, um, if people are thinking about getting seed catalogs, what's your favorite two or three seed catalogs? Well, um, Renee Shepherd, Shepherd Seeds is a wonderful, they're organic. And this John Sheepers is pretty wonderful. But there are also, um, if you go online, there are, there are catalogs and even places where you could buy um, heirloom quality, um, just heirloom varieties. Like I went to Petaluma a couple summers ago, which is not far from us. It's close to the coast on the West Coast. And um, there's a store there that only sells um, heirloom and hybrid, not hybrids, just heirlooms. So what people don't realize is, let's say for lettuce, okay, there's, there's more than iceberg romaine and butter lettuce like i said there's over you know 40 50 60 varieties and so if you go and get heirloom catalogs or go online to look for it you're going to find so many varieties because what's happened is the industrialization of everything have um have i don't want to say weeded it down but but cut 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 our varieties down to um, what sells the best and, right, and right. what packages well, and that's their decision, not ours. So if you want to grow loofahs for scrubbing and gourds for carving and um, fava beans to bring uh, oxygen to your soil and mash, that's my favorite lettuce, M-A-C-H-E, mash. It tastes like butter. It's so good. But you're not going to find that um, in the nurseries. You're going to have to look at these catalogs. So I like shepherds. I like sheepers. And then um, I also like all the ones that haven't come yet. <laughs> and, and for roses, if you want um, some of the good catalogs, um, Weeks, W-E-E-K-S, they have a really nice selection of roses. Um, they went out of business, but they're now back up, up and running is Jackson and Perkins. I was surprised when they closed down, but they now have a new catalog and they're known for, for a lot of their roses and everything. So again. And their old roses as well. Let me yes. also mention another, um, you can go online, another rose uh, seller and it's called Story Farms, S-T-O-R-E-Y. They have 15 acres of roses and they only sell scented roses. They're Ooh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. And anything from climbers, again, you have to know what you're planting. So many people don't realize they're planting a climber and they can't, they don't understand why these huge canes are coming out. 
um, because it's a climber. There's shrub rose, there's rugosa roses, there are miniature roses, there are rose standards, which are your rose trees. And then there are tea, you know, um, tea roses. So really, really take a look. And if, you know, most of us have smartphones or they're at a nursery, these people are, should be um, knowledgeable about what this rose is going to do, how big it's going to get, you know, what does it need? Right. Right. And, and um, as Roberta said, the roses are amazing. And I mean, we could do a whole podcast on different varieties of roses and what you're looking for and color and scent and shape and reliability. And a lot of people, when they hear the word rose, is like, oh, my, that's too much work. That's way too much work. Nowadays, they're, they're putting out, they're developing war, what we call workhorse roses that literally will bloom and bloom and bloom for almost eight, nine months out of the year. But again, keep in mind that if you're in, a, in an environment where there's a lot of deer, um, it's a deer buffet to give uh, to plant roses unless you put them in a, in a specific spot where the deer can't get to them. They'll just eat them down to the ground. Yeah, it's, that's heartbreaking. You know, another plant um, that I use all the time, all the time, are ground cover roses. And um, they've really gotten those down pat because you could have beautiful heat tolerant ground cover roses that take very little work it's they're not fiddly you know like some of the other ones and there's so many new varieties and they're beautiful so if you want color throughout the year ground cover roses are a wonderful wonderful choice and she's not kidding i mean they are i will tell you real quick story i might have mentioned it once before but when i was renovating our place i had put in initially some carpet roses they were uh scarlet color it's a double double petal so it's not a single petal and they have a scarlet color and they're just beautiful and they bloom and I had put about 10 of them in and I knew I was going to re-landscape so I didn't want to throw them out because I just bought them so I dug them up and I set them aside and I actually put them in a wheelbarrow and forgot about them they sat in this wheelbarrow for about two or three months and um it got they got a little water they got a little hose water they got a little rain water and then I remembered where I put them they were on the side of the house and they were still alive but they looked pretty sad so I cut them back put them in the ground and I kid you not, they not only came back, but they came back gangbusters. So when anyone tells you that, you know, oh, those carpet roses, they must be a lot of work. They're not. Roberta was right. They are. They give you so much color and they're indestructible. They're indestructible and pruning is important. Don't be afraid to prune. And um, I know locally in our area, there are a lot of different places that are doing seminars with um, pruning your roses so check your garden centers because they'll probably have free seminars as well and um then you could see you know you, you don't have to be afraid oh i'm gonna you know if i'm cutting the wrong thing no you could learn how to do it and it's not and even even if you don't go to a seminar you cut out the dead stuff you know it's not that difficult but um roses actually need and like pruning yes Yes, absolutely. In fact, they do better. And the and the ground cover roses, it's pretty simple. You can cut them back to six inches to a foot at the most. Cut out the dead stuff. Get rid of all the little little um, you know kind of weak weak things, and that's it. You don't have to go back to the traditional tea roses. Um, you actually go down to the three stem or the five stem or anything, and it's a little bit more technical. It's not hard, but it's a little bit more technical on the carpet roses or the ground cover roses. You don't have to do any of that. I mean, that's how easy it is. 
Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the next couple of days that are going to be in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. it or, and that's when I'm going to um, get a, a start on pruning my roses. I have a, a massive um, Cecil Bruner climber rose over my front door. And because it, here in California, we, we really haven't had that much cold. Most of the leaves are still on them, which is unusual. I know. It's amazing. I mean, we really haven't. And this year, if people are saying, what's your weather? Besides the fact that we haven't had that much cold, we actually have started to get fog back, which we haven't had fog for years. Oh, I know. And it's it's you could look out and it's white in the morning and not fun to drive in. But unfortunately, we're not getting the rainfall that we need. So exactly. Exactly. There's that too. So also, um, I've, I've been an advocate for drought tolerant landscaping for many, many years. And again, I want to stress that drought tolerant landscaping does not mean cactus and rock. <laughs> there are so many perennials that take less water. We're not talking xeriscape, but way less water and that will bloom and tolerate these over 100 degree temperatures so yes yes and those are the ones that we will do another show and we've talked about it before but those those you start thinking about planting in the early part of spring so you establish a good root system yeah so right now it's a time for dreaming and reading catalogs and uh not clothing catalogs but seed catalogs and um, thinking about a garden because um, chances are it's still going to take a few months to roll out um, for this virus to start to dissipate. You know, the, the vaccines, if you're going to do that or not. But anyway, it's still a time and hopefully something that becomes permanent in your life to grow a garden and become more sustainable in your home. I agree. I definitely agree. So I'm Michael Glassman. I'm Roberta Walker. And and we're Digging Deep. Yay! Thank you for joining us.